Hello, it's September 26 and this is On The Campaign, a daily podcast wrapping all the big stories from the election 2023 campaign trail. I'm Georgina Campbell and I'll be your host for this episode. Later, I'll be talking to New Zealand Herald business editor at large, Liam Dan, to discuss the finance debate he hosted this morning. But first, two major policies from the big parties today and one big promise from a likely coalition partner. First, after the rise of the traffic light system during COVID, National has their own system they want to introduce, but this time it's for beneficiaries. Under a National government, beneficiaries would have to reapply every six months and show documents to prove they are applying for jobs. They will then be judged using a traffic light system to see if they will continue on, with green meaning no changes for those actively seeking work, orange for those on their first or second breach of obligation, and red for those on their third breach, which will come with sanctions. National Social Development spokesperson Louise Upston said they want to see more people on the job seeker benefit going into work, and this policy will address that. And when people aren't going to job interviews, they are not turning up to work and income, they are not attending training, um, no surprise, they're not going to get a job. You're not going to get a job if you turn up to a job interview in your pyjamas. And that is the story I heard from an employer last week. New Zealand First has also announced today that they would put a two-year limit across one person's lifetime that they would be able to be on the job seeker benefit. The policy has been criticised by both Labour and the Greens, with the two parties saying that by punishing people and taking away their benefits, it will push more people into poverty. Labour's big announcement today was that they would put $1 billion worth of new funding into Pharmac. The boost will include an increase of funding for new treatments, rising to $100 million per year from the 2026 financial year. Speaking to media today, Labour leader Chris Hipkins said the party will be able to pay for this and will reveal how in their fiscal policy later this week. However, he stressed that the funding is necessary to keep Pharmac alive, more than just a spending top-up. Bearing in mind that if we don't uh, put this extra funding into Pharmac, they're actually going to have to reduce the medications that they're currently funding. So the National Party, if they are not going to make a similar commitment, are going to actually be reducing the medications available to New Zealanders. That's What's the $181 million every That's year. That's right, every year. Yeah, And that, that actually does make up the lion's share of the billion dollars. For the Greens, the party announced their plans to double the Best Start payment for every child under the age of three, giving parents $140 a week instead of 69 they will also reform working for families to provide $215 a week for the first child and $135 for every other child. The party will pay for it with their wealth tax. That's something that Hipkins has continued to rule out, though not all his MPs seem to be aware of that. At a candidate's event over the weekend, Wellington Central candidate Ibrahim Omar told the audience that a wealth tax is still up for discussion amongst Labour. Hipkins denied that. I think he probably could have chosen his words more, more carefully. And with it looking more and more likely the Act will be part of a coalition with National, the party is doubling down on one of its bottom lines. Speaking to Moana Maniapoto, Seymour committed again to his beliefs that we need to re-examine co-governance and the role the Treaty of Waitangi plays in our society. 
you know, we've supported treaty settlement, uh, we support Article 2 rights. Um, however, we also think that Article 3 extends to everybody. In fact, I think the basic idea of self-determination, I, I think that should apply to everybody. We'll just take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to On The Campaign. This morning, New Zealand Herald business editor-at-large, Liam Dan, hosted an MYOB debate between Labor's Grant Robertson and National's Nicola Willis, focused on small and medium-sized businesses. The economy is one of those issues that is a big focus for politicians and voters this election. So we thought it was a good time to check in on how Robertson and Willis, often touted as the more exciting face-off than Chris v Chris, are performing on the campaign trail. I caught up with Liam earlier and started by asking how the debate went. The debate today was very much centred around research by MYOB done a small business monitor, so it's small and medium business owners, which means that while it was about the economy as usual, uh, it probably it, it, it plays more to um, national. We know that we know that uh, those, those small business owners aren't feeling great about the economy. So when we talk about the economy... Uh, a lot of um, how things are going politically depends on how you feel about that right now. Um, but all those, you know, those things, high inflation, so costs, uh, regulatory stuff, um, the cost of doing business in this country, what, you know, David Seymour and ACT talk about as being red tape that they're going to slash, that kind of thing, um, as well as things like labour supply and immigration were front and centre. I watched the Q&A debate at the weekend and Grant Robertson and Nicola Willis were very squabbly. Um, Nicola was really on the attack. She had loads of documents with her that she was rustling through, finding for for the right question. And Grant Robertson, to be honest, appeared to be a, a little bit grumpy. What were they like today? Oh, I think they were they were upbeat. I think Grant knows that he's sort of uh, Michael Cullen when he used to do Mood of the Boardroom always said it was an away game. You know, L- L- Labor's always um, slightly on the back foot when it's a business event, but Grant is very good at talking to a business audience, and he has been for the past six years. And I've seen him at a lot of business events, and he he knows how to talk about productivity gains and all, all the right stuff. Um, so I did challenge him around whether he's been able to follow through or whether the Labour government's been able to follow through. Is there an issue when he gets back to Cabinet? You know, he he may get what's going on in the, in the, the small business and medium business world, but does he, does he sort of get the support of the Cabinet? Because I think business people feel like they've had a good hearing and a good dialogue with Grant Robertson over, over the years but that they 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 feel let down by the delivery uh, and, and by some of the big policy, which they're never going to win, to be fair. Like, you know, employment policy and stuff, it, it's a Labour government. It does what it says on the box as far as, um, you know, things like minimum wages and um, some of the employment law stuff. What did you think of Nicola Willis's performance uh, against Grant Robertson? Well, she was strong because she's able to advocate for change. And I think, you know, we can see it in the polls, but we also see it around the world. It's not just a New Zealand thing. There is a sort of um, uh, a tiredness to the electorate um, after the pandemic. And there is a, a sort of a desire to rule a line after it. And that means that people are sort of in the mood for change or someone who can sell change. So I think, you know, uh, Labour and Grant's job is really to try and say that, the, that there's something um, 
else up their sleeve, something else coming, but but it's easier for um, Nicola to, um, you know, make the case that it's going to be a fresh start under national. There's a little bit of, um, you know, when we look at things like investment and in infrastructure and what I call the sort of muddling through of the New Zealand economy, where we tend to, you know, I, I think there's a weird bipartisan sort of unspoken policy that, that both, you know, both parties, and this is me being cynical, but I did put it to them on stage, you know, both parties are likely to accept high net migration, let the property market kickstart itself, and we'll all feel better about the the economy because property will be going up again. So that that's the sort of lazy end of it. And, you know, we did hark back to the fact that national under key in English, for example, was guilty of taking the migrants, the high net migration, and not investing in infrastructure. Um, and some of those things are legacy things that, that Labour copped. But it is, you know, in politics, you start going back more than six years, and it's a long time ago. These two sort of have quite heated clashes, which is, uh, I'd say, quite a stark comparison, at least to the leaders' debate last week between the two Chris's. Hopefully they, they might fire up a little bit this week with, with the next leaders' debate now that they've got that first one out of the way. Do, do you think, though, between Nicola Willis and Grant Robertson, in amongst that heat, there's sort of a, a clear winner or, or did one of them come out stronger, do you think, in, in your debate today? Nicola was able to sell the idea of change coming and I'm sure that played played well with the um, the business audience. They are both very good debaters. So unlike Christopher Luxon and, and Christopher Hipkins, who are sort of talking down their debating skills, both both Robertson and Willis, uh, you know, uh, are former student champion debaters and so forth. And, you know, they're, they're good at it and they're not, and they've decided to, to go at it. Nicola in particular has decided uh, around that, that Q&A debate not to wait for Robert uh, for Grant Robertson to finish his, his points which sometimes can be longer and uh, so she's she's dived in and tackled them head on you know the one uh, I was involved with today wasn't quite as fiery but it was fiery enough with me sort of jumping in to bring it back to some uh, you know some some basics for that for that business audience which sort of gave me a way to to, to, to sort of bring it back I guess. And of course, though, you know, we're talking about coalition um, under MMP and Winston Peters now very much polling around the 5% mark. So, um, you know, National, for example, you've got David Seymour, Winston Peters in the mix. So how does this kind of finance role fit with potential coalition makeups, do you think? Like there must be some competition around that in terms of who might like to be the finance minister? You know, it's very hard to know what uh, New Zealand First is thinking around, you know, fiscal policy and finance. They have a political ideology that allows them to be all over the place at various times. They um, generally haven't liked high uh, net migration, but, you know, businesses wanted that because it's needed um, labour supply. So they've been quite quiet on it this time around, I guess. Um, you know, Winston's usually out there banging on about too many migrants. Um, it, it's weird because, yeah, national an act you can you can sort of see what that means uh you know it's it's a center right national party with act trying to pull them a bit further to the right and and some trade offs there yeah i i really don't know how it would work and if it could work really um unless it's the new zealand first that turns up that that gets a couple of key policies and then sits there quietly until about two thirds of the way through the term when they decide to start getting um uppity again but um yeah i i i don't think that would be ideal i think when you look at the polls and everyone's sort of coming to this conclusion that, oh, there's a momentum for change. National's so far ahead, it's going to be them. I think National isn't quite looking at it like that. They see it as a close race because of MMP. 
they are still fighting hard. And I think for them, the battle is to um, get clear to have control of a um, of a government of a new government. I mean, you know, they need to um, sell themselves to New Zealand uh, as stable and and secure, and, and that that we can. Um, trust them to have control um you know because if if new zealanders sort of go with protest votes and, and all the rest of it you know it's it, they, they could end up uh getting into power but in a very unstable government and it might mean that they can't do all the things they want to do to try and put confidence back into the economy Thanks to Liam for his analysis. Tomorrow, both Chris Hipkins and Christopher Luxon will be in Auckland. And not only does overseas voting start tomorrow and early voting for some people with disabilities, it will also be the final televised leaders' debate before early voting opens for all New Zealanders next week. The two Chrises will face off in a debate on TV3 hosted by Patrick Gower. In the meantime, this has been On The Campaign. You can follow this podcast on iHeartRadio Radio or wherever you get your podcasts. For more election 2023 coverage, head to nzherald.co.nz. I'm Georgina Campbell and we'll catch you again tomorrow.